and welcome to Two Peas in a Pod. We're currently living in a time where there's seemingly a lot of negativity on the news and social media, so we're here to show you that that's not the case. We'll find great things happening around the world and to celebrate positive news rather than making it a token piece at the end of a news bulletin. We'll be talking to each other as well as guests and see how they're celebrating positivity. This won't be preachy and it won't be political. Our plan is to be positive and hopefully have a good laugh along the way. His name's Ken. His name's Ben. And welcome to episode 41 of Two Peas in a Pod. Hey, Two Peas in a Pod. Two Peas in a Pod. (laughs) 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 Oh, Oh, mate. How are you? Are you good? I'm fantastic. (laughs) Uh, I can't do it as well as you. Um, Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm ruddy well. No, uh, no, I'm good. I'm good. All good, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a cool week, man. It's been really like lovelyingly productive and quite nice. Do you know what I mean? Great, uh, great adjective use there. Yeah, lovelyingly. Um, Adverb, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, I kind of unintentionally got really uh, very much inspired musically recently. Um, oh yeah, yeah. It's been really cool. So, you know, I had this like little sort of demo of a song and just sort of created that at home, which was really cool. Also, um, been doing this thing where I found so this company called Spitfire Audio. Mm. I've got these like what they call VST instruments, which is like, you know, when you play something in on a keyboard, you can choose the instrument within your recording software to be like, all right, I want that to sound like a guitar or a piano or a nice. cello, whatever. Yeah. They've got a bunch of uh, instruments available for free, which is amazing. So that's really, really cool. So I was like playing around with like dulcimers and like modular granular pianos. It sounds like they're being like torn apart in this kind of weird Nordic noir kind of way and like Arctic swells, but like sort of synthy kind of cinematic sounds and stuff. And there's just loads that were available. I'm like, I'm going to have an amazing time. So yeah, very, very excited. (laughs) Yeah, on that whole musical inspired front, so it's cool. It's good. Nice one. Yeah, it's good. I, I like it. I I often think like last week we began the show and I said I was basically fed up of the repetitiveness of lockdown. Yeah, and now we you know we're still finding inspiration. You know, you're still you still managed to be inspired to write something. Yeah, I've written some poetry this week. You know, like yeah, it's nice. like yeah, I think. You can really extract the positives from what is a really mundane time. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we can both still do what we do. And, yeah, yeah I like that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad to hear that you've been yeah. musically inspired. Yeah, yeah, and cookingly inspired, that even is Ooh. a word. Oh, you know, God. Yeah. I, now you've piqued, you've piqued my interest. Go on, what did you cook? <laughs> so I did this thing last night, and it was a um, like an online cooking masterclass. I saw it online from yeah. Instagram, uh, a guy, Chef Hampshire. Um, Henry Hampshire, and he basically did a vegan cooking sort of cook along, a two course Italian meal, creamy Italian pasta with like fake bacon um, and courgette and like some red onion and stuff, and then a um, sort of chocolate raspberry and crushed hazelnut mousse, and uh, just it was super easy. Oh. And like one, of, <laughs> it's quite funny. One of the ingredients was like you know x amount of like milliliters of wine. I was like, I don't really drink white wine, but you know, I, like. I'll, I'll, he said optional. I was like, right, that's fine, that's cool. And he said, um, yeah, it's not going in the dish, but um, raise your glass, cheers. Like, let's let's drink and have fun. I was like, that's actually really cool. <laughs> that's really brilliant. And he tries to make the whole thing really yeah. approachable. And you're cooking along live with the with this guy. He's got some other online masterclasses and things, and he does things face to face as well. Like when things aren't in lockdown, but yeah, it was just a, it was just a really lovely, just sort of lovely little experience, and the food tasted amazing, and it was just so simple. There's nothing fancy, not like oh, you need this specific ingredient from a place you've never heard of, and yeah, yeah, it was really lovely, really nice. 
Yeah, uh, no, that's awesome, man. So, yeah, there's something I find so relaxing about cooking. Mm. Um, and look, I've always cooked and I've always been, I know you and I are possibly, as you said when we interviewed Tony from Veganery, you're on mm. one end of the cooking spectrum. And I've cooked from scratch most of my life. Yeah. And it's something, I think, it's a point where you're so in control of something that it is so relaxing. Like, yeah. And everything is you're just in control of it and you know where everything is mm. and oh, I just love it. So yeah, I'm glad that you have now found this kind of uh, yeah, totally. avenue that you haven't necessarily explored before. It's yeah, yeah. Oh, totally, okay. man. I would say it's positive. Yeah, yeah, definitely positive. Definitely positive. And how's your week been, bud? It's good, man. It's good. It's been all right. Yeah. I mean, I still am really, you know, sort of staying in my pyjamas most of the time. <laughs> I think that could be said for a lot of people in the UK right now that everyone's... Yeah, just... I, I, th- yeah, that, that's the only thing keeping me going. I know I'm not alone, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, in referencing your uh, your pyjamas there, yeah. uh, for, for reasons unknown, I accidentally hit play, just to double check our podcast was streaming okay, as I tend to do each week. Yeah. Accidentally hit it at half speed. Now... Uh, there's a little section which I sent to you, and it was. It sounds like we're really, really drunk, yeah. uh, which we're obviously not. Well, what's to say that we weren't? But what's yeah, to say yeah. That we weren't? but we. <laughs> but it, you know, this clip does prove otherwise. This yes. clip does prove otherwise, and it's your previous chat last week about you speaking about not drinking. But at half speed, it sounds like you're lying. So just for a bit of a laugh, and it is hilarious. Here's said clip of us hammered, but not hammered. Here we go. I'm working from home. Yeah. I'm rarely changing out my pyjamas. Yeah. The only difference is, is I'm not drinking alcohol. So, yeah, yeah, I haven't, I haven't had a drink all month, so... You must be really thirsty. (laughs) Yeah, I... The, the worst thing is, is I recognise that voice of mine all too, like, fam- yeah, it's all yeah. too familiar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Definitely audio footage of me talking like that, genuinely drunk. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm glad I can just make myself sound like that just at the press, press of a button. Yeah. So and also, uh, after, after you sent that to me the other day, I then did it the other way. Right. And uh, sped it up. Okay. Sounds like we've drunk a lot of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's really cool. Yeah. That's brilliant. It was good fun. Yeah. Nice. No, I like that. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, so let's get straight on with the show, I think. We've got a really good guest this week. Why don't you tell all the listeners out there who we've got this week? This week, we spoke to uh, Joshua Siegel. Now, he is an award-winning uh, children's poet and adults poet. He has a huge number of books, you know, poetry books that he's written over the last uh, maybe 10 years. And he's a really just a lovely bloke. Mm. And for me, an inspiration. Um, the way he you know, looks at poetry and the way he just the way he talks in his delivery um, mm. as well. So um, and his content is great. Nice. Uh, I absolutely loved reading some of his poetry and, you know, in the lead up to recording this interview with him. Mm. So, you know, he talks quite, you know, frankly about um his process and um how he got into uh poetry as well so yeah i really really enjoyed this interview yeah me too definitely and uh, i think you're going to really enjoy it so i think uh, without further ado let's get into it (laughs) 
So this week we are very excited to welcome on our next guest. It is award-winning children's author Joshua Siegel. Joshua, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, very, very exciting to be here. Thank you. Pleasure. Oh, you're very welcome. It's great to have you on. Um, now, let's get down to it. First questions first. When was it that you knew you wanted to be a writer? That's a really interesting question. Um, probably, I think I've always known I wanted to be a writer in some way. Um, I've always known that words are my thing. Uh, I, I realise I've expressed that in a very inarticulate way. You know, words are my, <laughs> words are my thing. Uh, but, uh, words are good, yeah. <laughs> but I've always enjoyed words. I, I love learning new words. I love playing with words. Um, I've always loved jokes and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, yeah. So, and, and in school, my favourite subjects were always the, the essay kind of based subjects. Mm. Yeah. So I, I always knew that I wanted to do something involving uh, writing. Um, in terms of poetry writing, which is what I do, um, I didn't think I wanted to, well, I didn't know it existed as a job until I was some way into my 20s, I think. Um, mm. And I think I've been a professional poet now for about nine years. Um, nice. So yeah, yeah. Um, I've always known. I've always known I wanted to be some kind of writer. I think though. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Deep down, I, I, I noticed the the first poem you wrote was when you were was it five years old about otters. Yes, yes. There's a copy of that on my website because what happened was my um my dad is like a massive hoarder, so he he kept all of my old schoolwork, and mm. uh, I was in his house, and and for some reason we had all this old schoolwork out. Um, and I found some of it, and I put it on my website. So if anyone wants, they can go and have a laugh at the first poem I ever wrote when I was about five years old. That's amazing. That's which so is good. indeed about otters. That's it's, brilliant. It's great. I think even as a five-year-old, you had a great grasp of humour. Uh, Not such a great grasp of spelling, though, if you look at the <laughs> oh, poem. Yeah. Well, some, some of the best writers couldn't spell. So no, right. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> In that sort of vein as well, like going back to school, in the before times of before COVID and coronavirus and all that sort of thing, um, you do school visits and, uh, and what sort of things yeah. did you do with the kids? And then is this overall like a positive and rewarding experience for you? Yeah. Um, so what I, actually, that's probably my main, the main part of my job, um, is, is visiting schools. That's mm. certainly the main, um, financial part of the job. Obviously I have to write the poetry to be able to take it into the schools, mm. But um, yeah, it's it's great. It's um, I've, I've been doing a lot of virtual school visits during lockdown um, yeah. via Zoom. Uh, there's all kinds of things like Microsoft Teams and all that. And I think yeah. um, I've developed well. What one of the kind of unexpected benefits of lockdown? It's 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 made me much more aware of the technology that's out there. I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's great visiting schools. I I visit uh, schools you know of all ages right the way through from three to 18 mm -hmm. and i run poetry writing workshops i i've got a very loud voice so i i'm used to kind of standing up in front of hundreds of people in massive assembly halls yeah and i i like being laughed at uh, and <laughs> clapped so so it's uh it's the good it's a good job to have yeah they say that's the, that's the gene anyone who uh, goes into performance they have to have that gene don't they the mm. the uh, <laughs> I like the appreciation of the crowd. <laughs> yeah, which is weird because I'm not at all like that when I'm not on stage. Uh, if you meet me just in everyday life, I'm quite yeah, I'm quite introverted, really. Um, sure. 
but yeah, I'm, I am. I am. A, I'm also an attention seeker, so it's somewhat paradoxical. <laughs> Introvert, <laughs> extrovert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird how it kind of oscillates. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. And um, since then, you've obviously been doing like Zoom and like you're saying Microsoft Teams and all that sort of thing, doing these sort of like yeah digital school visits and stuff. And mm. uh, do you find that that's quite challenging, sort of trying to keep people engaged? Is it sort of the same, just a little bit different? Yeah, it's. It's really interesting. At first, I was really averse to doing it. Uh, I'm mm. not someone who likes embracing change. I, uh, I don't tend to. I don't. I, I don't know. I'm a bit. I'm a bit of a luddite uh, when it comes to technology. Um, sure. So I was really. I was really kind of hesitant to embrace this. But now I've been doing quite a few of them. I would say it's different, but the same. Um, yeah. I'm still doing the same poetry material. Yeah. Um, a lot of it's very interactive, so that's quite hard to do over Zoom. Um, yeah. It's, it's okay. Um, so it was okay from kind of September to December mm. because the children were all in the classroom um, and I was just kind of Zooming in from home. Oh, okay, cool. So, but, but when they're all in their own separate homes, it's super hard to, to do the call and response type stuff. Oh, that, sure, um, of course, yeah. Uh, that children's poetry is known for. Um but it's pretty similar. There's a kind of whole new vocabulary that goes along with it, you know, uh, uh, mute, unmute, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> all that, all, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. But once you, I'd say, one, once I've got used to it, it's uh, it's it's not. It's actually better because it means mm. I get a lion. I hate getting up early, um, <laughs> so instead of instead of getting the train up to Birmingham at six a.m., uh, yeah. I can I can get up at nine and uh, be be on the session at nine ten. That's a joke. I, 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 I do at least have a shower. Um, oh, <laughs> not that I need to over Zoom, to be honest. Not, not that anyone would even know. No, but. no. <laughs> no true. We had this same sort of uh, thing. We had a guest on, uh, a friend of ours who's a you know sort of personal trainer, fitness instructor. And um, in the first lockdown, she actually found exactly that, that whole Zoom-based personal training was just a, a whole new way of opening up avenues for when all of this is over to go oh it's a rainy day we can't train outside let's do it from home you know i'm really hoping to do i'm really hoping um obviously i miss visiting schools and i, I look forward to doing it again but i'm really mm. hoping the zoom element continues yeah um yeah. to be honest because it suits it suits in many ways it suits me really well um mm. and i i certainly think the kids get something out of it so it, it hasn't been all doom and gloom yeah nice yeah, no, I like that. Um, and also, I read um, a, a, a blog post you did for the book activist. Yeah, um, how you, okay. Um, you said um, every day is a uh, is poetry day, um, and you, you encourage the use of poetry just out, you know, even outside of the English class. Um, mm. Do you think that poetry is often either undervalued or sort of undertaught in schools? Yeah, maybe. Um, I, I to be honest, I, I think there's a bit of a difference between primary and secondary. Um, I think in primary, um, poetry from, it's, it's a bit of a, um, self-selective thing because the schools that invite me in tend to be the schools that value poetry. So sure, I, sure. so I get a very positive, uh, experience of a school that kind of tends to embed poetry across the culture. Schools that didn't do that wouldn't get me in. So I wouldn't see them. Um, so I'm not, so the schools I've seen have very much been into poetry once you get to secondary, then exams become very much the focus. Um, mm. My wife's yeah, an English yeah. teacher, and one of the things that they do uh, for English is uh, they they have to uh, analyse an unseen poem. 
So the poetry that is done for exam classes is for the purposes of passing an exam. And I, mm. I think that can definitely sap the enjoyment out of poetry for sure. Yeah. Um, and it can scare the living daylights out of people as well, because mm. Mm. Yeah. I don't know the kind of poem. I don't know. There are, there are some pretty good poems there in fairness. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's, uh, it, it maybe it varies uh, between different schools, but I think once you get to the exams, they tend to become the central focus, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. yeah, sure, yeah. yeah. And uh, and obviously, as well as sort of you know performing and sort of working with children, you also obviously perform for grown-ups as well. And um, I do, yeah. <laughs> so, is there much of a difference in how you approach the two different types of audiences? Uh, with grown-ups, I swear a lot. So uh, nice. there is uh, <laughs> a little bit. Um, I, I actually performed. I I I wrote and performed for grown-ups before I started doing so for children. So what happened was when I was at university, um, Mm. I went to uni in uh, central London at UCL and just around the corner, there is somewhere called the poetry cafe. Uh, And I'm hoping that after lockdown uh, that continues to go from strength to strength. Uh, Obviously it's going through a tough time at the moment, but um, they had that they had obviously before lockdown, a weekly poetry open mic uh, for grownups. So Mm. anyone can go, I think you pay a couple of quids and you get five minutes on the mic to recite some poems. Nice. And I, I really got the bug for that. Uh, and that kind of morphed into a bit of stand-up comedy, which I've been doing. I haven't done a stand-up gig for well over a year, but um, there was a time when I was doing, a, a, you know, a few, a few every month. I was never a hardcore, you know, you get some aspiring stand-up comics who, who do seven, seven nights a week. It's very intense. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, yeah, I, and during lockdown, actually, I've been writing a lot for grown-ups because what I've been trying to do is kind of cast a wry eye over the goings-on uh, using my poems. Nice. nice. Um, and I've been I've been putting them up on my blog. I think uh, tens of people read them. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, I tweet. I, I've, I'm quite addicted to Twitter as well, so I, I use that. Nice. Yeah. And um, you mentioned uh, a moment ago about um, you were at college and uh, university in central London. You, um, I read that you studied philosophy. I did, yeah. There was a bit on your website that um, really I, I sort of really liked. You said that you realised that you were more interested in people than you were in abstract ideas. I think so. Yeah. Was there a, like a was was that like a was there a definite point you realised that or was that something that sort of happened over time? That, yeah, kind of. I spent my undergraduate. Uh, years thinking that I wanted to do a go into academia Mm. Uh, so I went to do a master's in philosophy and it was during that that I I don't know to be honest that coincided with some quite brutal mental health issues Uh, so it's I don't know what the state of affairs would have been had that not happened Mm. but the ultimate result was that I decided academia was definitely not for me Mm -hmm. Um, and then I yeah, and then I sort of started going back again to the poetry cafe, and I thought that poetry was something I wanted to do. But at this point, I still had no clue that it, it could lead to a career. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, and that that happened really. Gra- that actually started happening once I started to write more for children, mm. and I got in touch uh, with with a few children's poets, and I found out that what they were doing was visiting schools. Um, so I I tried to get myself. Uh, into school that sounds a bit weird doesn't it i try to get <laughs> i try to get myself into schools but, but that is that is what i did i yeah uh, in the early days i spent you know whole days cold calling different schools 
I think I, I cold called every single school in Hertfordshire yeah. at one point, uh, which is oh, where wow. I was living at the time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, a couple of schools said yes. And then cool. I think I got a response from about one in 100. So it's, it's, but, but yeah, that even, you know, that, that was about five schools. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. And then it kind of started from there, really. That's nice. great. Yeah. I like that. And uh, yeah, you, like, you, know, so you have to put, you, know, you still have to put the work in and you still get something, you know, back from that. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, for the first few years, I had to put a, a lot of work into getting the work. Sure. Um, yeah. now I'm, well, I think I'm, lucky enough that because i did put in that hard work it's it pays off and now um i mean i i certainly don't want to get complacent about it but i'm lucky enough that the work comes to me rather than yeah rather than me having to go out to look for it yeah yeah at least at least mostly obviously i still i still seek out opportunities when i can Mm, but yeah yeah. it's it's very similar for me so for a bit of context i'm a a sound engineer and a live sound engineer as well Mm. and exactly that when you're starting out in your career it's very much the case of hello hello i'm i'm me i can do this and then it doesn't really take all that long if you put the work in but um you know if with a little bit of luck as well those opportunities definitely do arise and like you say then it generally kind of comes to you through word of mouth and stuff and you but you're still looking for those other opportunities as well yeah totally agree it's like that saying the harder you work the more luck you get yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I like that. You gotta make make your own luck. It, yeah, that yeah. I, I'm, that's probably the correct phrase. Uh, but yeah, it's essentially that, isn't mm. it? You make your own luck. Yeah, and um, and so whether it's growing up or even now, like, do you have a favourite poet or author that you sort of always go back to? Not yeah, kind of. Uh, so uh, I studied Philip Larkin for A level, and that is what really got me into poetry. Mm, um, okay. Philip Larkin is a kind of mid mid 20th century i think and he uh, you know i wrote a lot of very uh, m- i was a songwriter for a while as a teenager um and i wrote very kind of uh melancholy uh, misanthropic stuff cool and yeah. and philip larkin really resonated with that um yeah. that's the grown-up stuff uh and i still love his poetry um when i was in year four uh, michael rosen came to visit my school oh, yeah, uh, yeah, and he He's still going, and he's still a a titan of the scene. Uh, yeah. So he's he's an obvious influence. Um, in terms of the stand up element, there's there's a poet called John Hegley who who oh, I'm yeah. a big fan of. Yeah, excellent. Um, and Tim Key is another is another comic poet who I who I love. Yeah. Um, but there's to be honest, in terms of kids' poetry, there's just um, there's like a fairly small community of us. Um, we we meet up every now and again, and I think I. I try and kind of take influence from everywhere, really. Mm. I agree with you. Michael Rosen, for me, is hands down like the, the one thing, the one person that really inspired me to, to write anything. And it was, yeah. uh, there was one part I can even remember sitting, what, reading it in my uh, living room. My mum bought me the, my mum's a primary school teacher. Um, okay. Um, well, she, she was a primary school teacher and then she um, decided she wanted to teach people how to teach so she went on to you know what i've actually done some uh, does she teach at canterbury christchurch she does indeed yeah or she used so to I, she's, yeah, she's retired now but yeah she yeah to, so yeah. i um I, I i did a couple of guest lectures for them uh, sure well to poetry performances i called them guest lectures because that sounds really posh and impressive <laughs> but um 
yeah i've yeah i've worked with some of her students yeah yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think that's where where it came up when she recommended that we chat to you because she uh, okay lovely yeah. lovely um but she had bought me this michael rosen uh, rosen book uh the don't put mustard in the custard um, yeah i had exactly that and i listened to it in the car on yeah. a cassette on the yes. way to school yes oh, amazing uh, and, uh, <laughs> i still remember that i'm not going to attempt to sing it but i still remember the music that plays uh, in between each poem <laughs> yes but yeah no i that was my book that was my that was one of my favourite books as a kid. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Um, now, um, I, I feel like it would be unfair to have a children's poet on our show without having any poetry. So I've, I've decided, and Ben, I'm going to put you to task here to create a jingle. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to create a brand new segment called The Poetry Exchange. Poetry Exchange. So the rules are basically, Josh, I will ask you to read a poem and then... Okay. I will read a poem in exchange. Josh, would you like to go first, as you're the guest? I will. Uh, so you mentioned uh, children's poetry, but I think what I'm going to do is I do write for grown-ups as well, but it's much it's much rarer that I actually get an opportunity to share my grown-up stuff, um, certainly kind of in terms of performing rather than writing. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a poem that I wrote with grown-ups in mind, and it is going to be a lockdown poem, I'm afraid, um, because obviously mm. uh, for the last sort of nine months, that's been the main feature of our yeah. lives, uh, and poets Absolutely. write about the things that they experience. Mm. Yeah. So uh, I think for me, one of the interesting things about lockdown is it's, um, and I think I mentioned this a bit earlier, it's kind of engendered a whole new vocabulary. So you've got, um, uh, so I had no idea what the word furlough meant uh, before yep, lockdown. <laughs> Even the word lockdown, I kind of don't, I'm not sure I, I think I can count on one hand the number of times I ever heard that word yeah. in 34 years yeah, yeah. before before lockdown. Um, and another phrase is bubble in terms of being in someone's bubble. Yeah. Um, so this poem is inspired by that and it's called Bubble Up. And it goes like this. I want to bubble up with you, cuddle up with you, spend some time through this trouble muddles up with you. I want to huddle in with you, see this struggle through, find my way through this grimness and grin with you. I want to hunker down with you, go to grounds with you, share a bunk and be wound rounds and bound to you. I want to live in digs with you, eat like pigs with you, share a big bottle taking swigs with you. I want to bubble up with you, snuggle up with you, share my love through the strain and the hope and the pain with you. I want to bubble up with you if you'll bubble up with me too. Oh, fantastic. And that's it. Nice, that's, man. That's really cool. Oh, I love that. That's wonderful. Thank you. That's on my blog, which is joshuasiegelpoet.blogspot.com. Brilliant. Oh, check it out. Or you could just go to joshuasiegel.co.uk and I think, yeah, there's a button on there where you can access the blog. Uh, so that's where I put all my grown-up poems. Oh, brilliant. Nice. Excellent. Um, now, uh, I hope you don't mind, I'm going to exchange a poem with you. What would you do if I said I did mind? <laughs> I, I would, I'd read it anyway. <laughs> okay, no, I don't, I don't mind. I don't mind. I don't mind. Uh, this one's called Fun. Playing teams with stains on jeans, going round your friends for tea, fish fingers, chips and Heinz baked beans, bowls of mint choc chip ice cream. Late to bed, play games instead. I'll pick blue and you pick red. We had no time to rest our heads, just cartoons that will be read. Car pulls up, my mum gets out to retrieve her young boy scout. We want to have a kick about, but that's one last rule we cannot flout. Muddy shorts with football marks from running through the sodden grass, telling jokes and smelly farts, so much to talk about in class. 
and that's that. I love that. That has a really nice rhythm. Um, Thank you very much. Yeah, that was great. That was really cool. Cheers. Um, and maybe I don't know. I don't know what the intended audience was, but it could easily be a kid's poem. I think. Uh, yeah, I, I think a lot. A lot of my poems, I sort of, I sort of punt for middle of the road. So there are some. A, a lot of my earlier stuff is definitely more adult based, but then yeah, more yeah. recently, I found it's way more fun to write stuff that that is more aimed at children. Because I think I agree. Yeah, I, I started writing stuff for kids because that's just what I enjoyed writing. Yeah, I and agree. Then, uh, and then and then someone once told me that you should uh, try and write for children. Yeah. Uh, so no, I really like that poem. Thank you. No, thank you. It's. I think it gives uh, writing for children. Uh, if you might agree with me, that it gives you a bit more license just to be a bit more silly. I think, and it's. I think we all yeah. like to be a bit silly. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, and to be honest, the things. In terms of the big themes of, of you know, uh, the things I like to write about, uh, 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 the things children like to read about. So mm, yeah. I, I, I'm really into animals. I, I love animals. I write a lot about animals. I've got, um, I've got a cat and my parents have two dogs. And, you know, so, you know, that's on, obviously animals is a subject in a lot of children's books. Yeah. Um, yeah. I write about my memories of school, which obviously kids or hopefully kids can relate to. Um, yeah issues around family and growing up and insecurity i think you shouldn't really shy away from mm-hmm. so it's the stuff i enjoy writing anyway yeah nice. yeah definitely actually on the, the theme of animals and, and we met we touched on it earlier the first poem that you ever wrote was about otters yeah, yeah. And, and you wrote it like we said when uh, you were five years old now how much of the learning about poetry that you you know you've done over the years has come from writing you know just writing and performing and how much of that has come from like direct education of poetry i would say probably i I mean i don't want to knock the education i had but in terms of the my actual writing of poetry i i I mean it has to have come in some way from the education i've got but it's Mm. it's very hard to be specific about how yeah Um, Yeah. what i would say which might this is going to sound like the most middle class thing ever but i actually (laughs) I actually studied Latin at school and oh, really? uh, yeah. And I think my vocabulary has been really helped by doing that. Um, yeah. Uh, this sounds even posher, but I did Greek, ancient Greek as well. Oh, uh, wow. So <laughs> that's cool. So, so yeah, so many words from English stem from those two languages. Mm, uh, yeah, so yeah. that has massively helped in terms of my vocabulary. Mm. Uh, that's just yeah. undoubtedly the case. But in, in terms of kind of, crafting a poem i think it, it feels quite intuitive um mm. so i certainly no one ever sat me down and said you know this is how you write a poem sure but i yeah i mean i did english at school i did i did a master's in creative writing mm-hmm. uh which michael rosen actually taught on uh going oh, wow. back to going oh, cool. back to nice. him um uh, so i met him there and we kind of i would i would i mean i wouldn't be uh, so presumptuous as to say we were friends but we're certainly friendly acquaintances um, yeah which is which is nice um but yeah the 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 process of making poetry feels to me quite intuitive yeah but loads of loads of what i learned in school must be in there somewhere yeah sure Uh, yeah so subconsciously not massively explicitly (laughs) yeah subconsciously yeah exactly um i know i i've just got another question about your your sort of creative process now for me mine is very sporadic and i will just yeah. have i'll have an idea mm. and if i don't finish a particular poem in that moment of having that idea then it's gone and i just move on 
Do you, yeah. do you have like a structured process like that or is it is yours a bit more sort of considered? Um, uh, it differs. It's one of the things that's been really good as my career has developed is I've not often, but I, I sometimes get commissions uh, to write a specific poem. Sure. So um, I've had a few people who've been running web education based websites who've wanted to have poetry on that website, uh, for example, connected with the, the curriculum at school. Yeah. So they'll say to me, right, we want, we'll pay you to write a poem on the theme of um, endangered animals, let's say, or yeah. volcanoes. And so I'll, I know that, you know, by five o'clock tomorrow, I have to have written a poem about volcanoes. Yeah, um, sure. But mostly what happens is it's, as you say, very sporadic. Um, I can go for weeks writing nothing and then write three poems in a day. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm similar in the sense that unless, unless the first, at, at least the first draft of a poem comes straight away, then, then I, then I, I won't return to it. Um, yeah. 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 Often I get an idea in the shower weirdly. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, that's, I, that, that tends to be where ideas come to me. I've I've heard that a lot actually. My, mine comes from walking. I have to leave the house and go for a walk, and, okay, yeah. and just I have to have my phone, and I will either dictate like a, a line or um, just tap out a line quickly, and then come home and frantically finish it before I like the idea passes. Yeah, I mm. sometimes text. I I text it to myself. Is, yeah. is I mean, I, I always try and carry a, a notepad with me, um, but it's never there when I need it. No. Oh, yeah, I know the feeling. And <laughs> I wouldn't carry it in the shower. That would be terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I've gone through many phones. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, Josh, I, I was wondering if you would um, like to read another poem for us. Yeah, uh, just because I've got in front of me um, the blog and and um, all the poems recently have been lockdown poems. Yeah. Do you, I'll, I'll ask you, would you like a poem that rhymes or a poem that doesn't rhyme? Oh. Because one of the things that I always try and teach children is, crucially, poems do not have to rhyme. But most of mine do, however. <laughs> uh, w- w- would you like a rhyming one or a non-rhyming one? Uh, I'm easy. Ben, Ben, you got a preference? Well, yeah, so, you know, I think, yeah, let's explore that, uh, a poem that doesn't rhyme. All right, so this is a poem that I wrote towards the beginning, again, towards the beginning of the lockdown, Um and one of the things I really noticed was how reliant we are on uh, key workers. Uh, it has That's another phrase that I hadn't really picked up on before the lockdown, <laughs> yeah. key yeah. workers. But I don't just mean obvious key workers like doctors and nurses. I mean people who, that, who you kind of don't really notice. Yeah. So the people who take the bins out, for example, yeah. uh, the people who, cle- who sweep the streets or who... Who, are, if you work in a building, who do the cleaning, those kind of people, mm. um, and it kind of and delivery people as well, and it, it kind of my attention was really drawn to the fact that without those kind of people, society would just grind to a total halt. Uh, they are the people that keep society going, really. Um, and with our government, there's this very disparaging phrase that people use: the unskilled or the low. People talk of low skilled workers, yeah, um, and it's often used in in the debate about immigration. Mm. Uh, so skilled versus unskilled, uh, and it's it's you know it's a horribly uh, pejorative term really uh, to call yeah. someone unskilled. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I noticed was how crucial those people are. Uh, so uh, this poem is called "The Unskilled," and it goes like this: We are the unskilled at the other end of the curve from you. Uh, 
Most of the time you don't notice us as we do what we do, silently stitching the fragile fabric that holds your life. We are the unskilled, ghosting through early mornings and late nights so you can muse on higher things in the comfort that you're accustomed to. There's not much need to take heed of us as we prop up the pillars of your day for you, for we are the unskilled. We grease the axles of your worlds for you, but kindness, perseverance and determination too are not quite deemed to be the same as having letters after your name. Yes, we are the unskilled, preparing, cleaning, polishing the board on which you play your game. And uh, that's the end, by the way. But I, I just want to say I lied and that there are rhymes in that poem. Uh, so I'm sorry. No, no, oh, no, no need to apologise. It was great. <laughs> yeah, really, I really like that. That's really cool. And and yeah, thank you. It's, um, for, it's an interesting one hearing that from me because, uh, like I said to you before, so I'm a sound engineer and obviously the entire live industry and the, you know, um, gig industry as such has obviously completely gone to a grinding halt. And, um, oh, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and so in doing that, like I've had to obviously get myself a job to you know put uh food on the table and all that sort of thing yeah 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 and uh so i've become a delivery driver actually for uh oh interesting how, how are you finding that so yeah it's in a weird way it's no different than sort of what i would normally do you know i'd pack a pa system into a van and drive to a place and do the thing i'm just not you know i'm just sort of doing like a mini unload almost <laughs> of just beans and bread rather than massive pa speakers and cables yeah, and microphones yeah, yeah. and stuff so you know so that's uh yeah, and but I'm just used to being on the road for hours on end. You know, I've been on tours and stuff all over the place, and yeah. tour managed as well, and being the, the person on the on the end of the uh, of the steering wheel. Mm. So, um, so yeah. So in a weird way, I'm listening to that, and I'm obviously sort of that resonates a lot with me mm. as a recent delivery driver. But also, you know, there was a, the whole thing about um, theatre people and uh, the gig industry being quite you know forgotten about and sort of being like oh you need to retrain and blah 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 so there's a real resonance with that i wrote yeah i wrote a few poems around the theme of re uh so there was a, an advert that got put out um the fatima one about the fat yeah with the ballet dancer that's right, yeah, uh, yeah. and it was it was like oh she could be a coder if she wanted yeah, or something in cyber yeah that's right. like, she doesn't want she, she she trained for decades to be a ballet dancer yeah yeah um yeah, that really resonated. I, I wrote a couple of poems on that as nice. well. I don't have them up in front of me, but no, that's cool. Yeah, that that was yeah, a... yeah. Because without art, basically, life isn't worth living. Absolutely, oh, yeah, I could yeah. not agree more. I could not agree more. Yeah, no. So, so yeah. So that was a, a real resonant one for me. So that was really cool. And uh, and you know, I'm not necessarily the the poetic one of uh, of the uh, two peas in a pod duo that me and Kez are. Um, but for someone who wanted to sort of try and start writing their own poetry, in, in no matter what of um, skill set there might be, um, mm. you know, what would you say to someone who wants to sort of start their own thing but wouldn't know, know where to begin and where to start? So I think there's a creative element to the question, and there's a kind of professional uh, element to the question. In terms of the creative element, I would say uh, to try and read as much as possible, uh, not just read, but watch. You know, YouTube is a great resource. There's so much uh, poetry on YouTube. Um, a lot of it not very good, but, you know, that's up to people to discover for themselves, I guess. Um, <laughs> so the reading and the, I would say consume, to use the kind of uh, the terminology, consume as much content as you can. Mm. Um you know, both written, spoken, um, all that kind of stuff. 
and and uh, give it a go. Just if if there's a poem that resonates, maybe write a response to that poem or mm. or your own version of that poem. Um, which is which is kind of what I. Uh, in some ways, that's how my poetry workshops work. When I visit schools, I mm. I share some poems. We discuss them. Then we, uh, using them as inspiration, we'll try and write our own versions. Mm. Um, so that's one element to the question. In terms of turning that into a job, um, that's obviously much much trickier because uh, you know it's inherently a difficult thing to do to set yourself up as a self employed person. Mm. Um, I would say put your work out there. Uh, I um, I fa- I've found social media hugely helpful. Um, Twitter. Twitter's the big one for me. Um, I did get on Instagram during lockdown, but I haven't really, I haven't fallen in love with it. Should, should we say? I don't okay. quite know. I don't quite know how it works. Uh, well, I know kind of literally how it works, but I don't. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't fully got to grips with it. Um, sure. Uh, it's super easy to make a website, so that was one of the first things I did. Was I, I used Wix dot com? Uh, they didn't pay me to say that, uh, but I. I, <laughs> I but yeah, I just made myself a really simple website and put some of my poems up there and um, just basically do a lot of cold calling, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I like it. Yeah. Josh, as we uh, reach the end of our lovely poetic discussion, uh, there is one final question that I like to ask. We ask everyone, um, where can ev- everyone find you? Uh, I'm not going to give you my home address because yeah, I don't. Want- <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't want flocks of fans kind of camped outside. Um, but I, I've got a web. Uh, the, the main one is my website, which is uh, www.joshuasegal.co.uk. And Siegel, this is crucial, uh, is S E I G A L. Um, so that's that's the big one. I'm on Twitter at Joshua Siegel, uh, same spelling. I'm also on Instagram at Joshua Siegel. Um, uh, and I, I don't have a, yeah, no, no, th- those are the, those, those are the big ones I would say. Excellent. Nice. Excellent. And we'll share those in our show notes. Yes. Um, and we'll whack them up on our socials in a second as well. Yeah. Copy me into the socials as well. Yeah. We'll yeah, do. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Nice one. All that's left to say, Josh, is thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's really great to have a pro poet join us um a pro it a pro it i'm gonna send you an invoice for coming up with that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um thanks so much for joining us yeah, no, thank, thank you, you so much it's been a real pleasure thank you so much for having me on yeah no trouble at all. it's been welcome. amazing thank you cheers Hey guys, don't forget, you can get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at 2 Podcast and facebook.com forward slash 2ppod. You can also visit the website, which is www.2ppodcast.com and you can email us, hello at 2ppodcast.com. Get in touch with us, send in your questions, send in your comments. We'd love to hear from you. Right, back to the show. So, mate, what a uh, what a lovely chat that was. That was really, really cool. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Um, yeah, like we said at the top of the show, I just love his delivery as yeah. well. Yeah, I just think it's so something good. There's something good about listening to someone who has that projecting sort of voice. You know, you yeah. know, they could stand up in a room of three hundred people, yeah. or four hundred, or five hundred people, and not use a microphone. You know? No, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, it's very much a, yeah. a gravitational toward yeah voice. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. 
yeah and i, I just like and yeah his um yeah his poems are great and yeah, yeah re- really that's actually in this past week since we spoke to him mm. has inspired me to write a lot more as well so great, um, nice yeah so a real real treat that one yeah very cool very cool yeah. so i think without further ado mate it's time for good news it's time for good news Let's flip a coin, and who wants to go first? Heads or tails? I have actually got a coin here. Go, go, I've go, got go. A coin. Right, so you you pick heads or tails. I'm going to go tails. Oh, I've just thrown it across the room. <laughs> it's gone out it's the heads, mate. It's heads. Oh, okay, you go. You go. So uh, my good news <laughs> comes in the form of um, it is coronavirus news, but it's positive and okay. it's good. Engineers design new face masks with test strip to detect COVID much like a pregnancy test. Wow, cool. So uh, similar to a classic pregnancy test, a colour-changing strip may, in the future, be mounted on face masks to detect the presence of COVID-19 in the air you breathe that day, allowing everyone to self-monitor the environments that they pass, pass through. Yeah. Um, so the project was launched by nano engineers at uh, UC San Diego with a $1.3 million grant. So the scientists created a small test kit to attach to the front of any mask, which can be mass-produced at a cost of about $0.03 cents per kit. Wow. Um, yeah, so after breathing through the mask for four to five hours, enough particles will be available to determine if you came in contact with the virus throughout the duration or indeed if you perhaps have contracted it. So, yeah, I think that's a really good, you know, step. Like, yeah. It's obviously still in development, but I think, um, you know, as we move into a world where we're managing coronavirus, you know, mm. alongside our, you know, our normal lives, this will be something that's really, yeah. you know, will be proven valuable, I think, in, in the fight against mm, sort definitely. Of a pandemic again, basically. Absolutely, yeah, to kind of keep things under control and to keep things like in check and to get like a pretty instantaneous result from you just wearing your face mask and not having to kind of, you know, uh, go, right, I need to go to a testing centre or something, which is yeah, potentially yeah. like a, you know, a, a breeding ground, if you will, for it anyway. And yeah, I think that's a, a really good use of, um, yeah. of, uh, of science's time, if you will. Um, Absolutely. That's very cool. Um, yeah, so uh, I've got another story as well. Yeah, go. Um, and this one will um, really speak to, to dog lovers um, out there. Nice. Um, so the headline is, um, after losing my dogs, neighbours um, next door loaned me their own pups to grieve. Uh, an article um, by uh, a user on the Good News Network. So it's Paul G22. Okay. So uh, we recently lost our beloved golden retriever, Layla. Her departure left an enormous hole in the house and in our hearts at a time when we needed her never-ending joyfulness, compassion, and affection more than ever. Losing a pet might seem like a small tragedy compared to the ongoing pandemic, but it devastated us nonetheless. Because of COVID restrictions, um, the family has been mourning a lot at home on their own. As we're all aware, uh, I'm sure yeah, this has affected us. You know, in some way, we've all had to deal with grief during the pandemic. And uh, you know, I, I do feel like everything is heightened somewhat because mm. of that this is in the states um, i actually can't see where in the states it's from but there's an app called oh it's california uh it says there's an app called next door uh, for their local area which is Sorich park and uh, they have a neighborhood online bulletin board mm. they said there that we just put the headline grieving family needs canine healing and they attached a picture of of their dog that had passed away and they, uh, they just said that they'd love to take a, a neighbor's dog for a walk or just play in the yard assuring readers that I've been practicing safety measures. Cool. Within minutes of posting, there was likes, emojis, and comments that started rolling in, and a a stream that soon turned into a flood. There were expressions of sympathy, stories of people's own losses, and recommendations for golden retriever adoptions. Yeah. It goes on to say, over the following uh, week, I received 420 responses, including 140 comments. 
simply overwhelmed by the outpouring of empathy. Um, and then uh, messages from 25 previously unknown neighbours welcomed me to come and meet their pups, 15 of them golden retrievers. So how complete strangers could be so generous um, during really a health cool. crisis uh, is just amazing. Uh, there's pictures here of, of of Paul with someone else's golden retriever and yeah. he's arranging playtimes with other dogs. It was almost like Tinder, he says, where I kept swiping <laughs> right for my next candidate. So That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so he's uh, he's had six dates between ages 10 weeks to 11 years. Mm. And it turns out there's a sweet little golden retriever down the block uh, who became an instant friend. So, yeah, I think it's just a really... Oh, it's just heartwarming just to, yeah. you know, people, you know, sort of loaning their dog for that um sort of you know to help someone else grieve for the loss of their dog so yeah and it does to goes to prove you know how important dogs especially but also pets and companions like that can be to people yeah i think it's a, it's a real testament to the a sense of community as well in a time where you oh know, yeah where community is needed now more than ever i feel you know absolutely yeah that's very cool nice man nice yeah man yeah i like that so what have you got, dude? So I've got something from uh, within the political spectrum, but in a positive way. Oh, um, nice. I like to hear it. So Estonia has become the only country in the world with an elected female president and female prime minister. So the current Estonian president, um, Kirsty Kajuliad, I'm going to apologise there if I've completely butchered the pronunciation there, was elected by the country's uh, parliament in 2016, thus becoming the first woman to ever hold the office of the president of Estonia. And from the 26th of January onwards, the Estonian head of government will be Kaja Kallis, the current leader of the Reform Party, who will be the first female prime minister of the country. Um, it's notable uh, that, including Kaja Kallis, the new Estonian government will have seven female ministers, which is 46.7% of the cabinet, um, a record wow. for the country so far. Um, the key yeah. word here, though, is elected. There are three other uh, countries where the head of state and the prime minister are both women, but the head of state is a monarch. New Zealand and Barbados are led by the female prime ministers. Uh, common head of state is the sovereign of the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth, Queen Elizabeth II. And Denmark is also another female-led uh, prime minister uh, country, but the head of state is uh, another monarch, Queen Margaret II. So, you know, this is an amazing uh, piece of inspiring young women and female, you know, having female role models there to yeah i think it's just an amazing piece of good news there yeah i yeah it reminds me as well so um for christmas um liz was given a, a book by uh, it's like a compilation of um women's speeches that changed the world oh cool nice and it's called she speaks and it was compiled by a labor politician yvette cooper Okay, and cool. uh, Liz is currently reading at the moment, and she says it's great. Just the yeah. like the power of um, you know, speeches delivered by women, and something oh, really cool. we definitely don't don't hear about enough. So, and mm. you know, this is really you know sort of good to hear and great. You know, mm. it's good you know, in the political world that uh, you know an elected head of state and an elected uh, prime minister is yeah, you know, very really cool. good to see. And keeping with that theme as well, we're going to New Zealand for a bit of conservation conversation. Conservation conversation. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, as a compassionate city in New Zealand is, clear, uh, is closing a busy road for a month to allow an endangered sea lion to nest with her pup and reach the ocean safely. Nice. Uh, so one city in New Zealand knows what its priorities are. Dunedin, the second largest city on New Zealand's South Island, has uh, closed a popular road to protect a mother sea lion and her pup. Um, we've closed John Wilson Ocean Drive to vehicles for the next month to allow some special residents to use the road safely. A New Zealand sea lion and her pup have taken up residence at the golf course next door and are regularly crossing the road to get to the beach. The mother sea lion called uh, Hirawa 
was first spotted on the uh, Chisholm Lynx golf course about a week ago and is now nesting with her pup in a bush near the 13th hole. Uh, the mother and pup will now spend about a month nesting before heading out to sea. During that time, the mother will need uh, to walk about 500 metres to the beach each day to feed. Oh, um, New Zealand sea lions are an endangered species and uh, one of the rarest sea lions, uh, species of sea lion in the world. And what this city is doing should be applauded. So yeah, and that's from uh, EcoWatch. And yeah, I think... I wouldn't know of anywhere to go, oh, there's a, a nature-based thing happening, so we're going to close just an entire road for a month. I mean, the, I suppose the financial and the, the implications logistically just must be catastrophic. But to sort of go, no, no, this is the thing, we're doing this. And yeah, that's great. I think it's really yeah, I mean, forward-leading, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, in many ways, um, New Zealand are ahead of their time. Mm. Uh, conservationally, politically, I think they are one of yeah. those countries that are really ahead of the rest of the world so uh, yeah really great to hear that you know they're looking after their endangered you know species like that definitely yeah. yeah that's that's awesome another really wicked episode and um just an amazing chat with uh with joshua siegel there yeah it was great um yeah like i said before he's just a really Sure, a genuine guy and yeah. also a fantastic poet. And yeah, yeah. So he Joshua has written, uh, like we mentioned earlier, um, a lot of books, um, you know, poetry books and adult poetry books as well. So um, books called "There's I Don't Like Poetry," "There's Little Lima Laughing," "Just Like Me," "Morris Wants More," "Yuck and Yum," um, uh, "A Feast of Funny Poems," and um, there's "A Bet I Can Make You Laugh," which is a collection of poems by Joshua and by um, some uh, other fantastic poets that Joshua curated. Nice. And then there's his book of poems he's written for adults, which is "Advice to to a Young Skydiver," and then there's also "Welcome to My Crazy Life" as well by Joshua Siegel. So he's written so much, and mm. yeah, just just some great poems in there as well. So Very um, cool. yeah, really funny. Some really honest. Um, and yeah I think everyone should check them out nice man that's really cool that's really wicked and you know if you want to check out uh, any of Joshua Siegel's work then uh, the place you can find him is at joshuasiegel.co.uk don't forget it's S-E-I-G-A-L joshuasiegel.co.uk if you want to see what he's blogging about which he mentioned on the uh, interview there it's joshuasiegelpoet.blogspot.com and of course um, if you want to see him on his socials it's joshuasiegel on Instagram and Twitter uh, now, of course, you can get in touch with us. It's really simple. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at 2 Podcast and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash 2ppod. Yes, and you can get in touch with us on the website. So the website is www.2ppodcast.com. And also you can send your emails to uh, hello at 2ppodcast.com. Yeah, please get in touch with us, guys. You know, we love hearing from you. All of your messages are greatly appreciated. And yeah, and don't forget, if you're listening on iTunes, you know, send us a little review. That always helps us out in the world of the podcasting world. And uh, yeah, we obviously would love to hear what you guys think. That'd be really wicked. So thank you so much for listening, everybody. Peas and love. We've been two peas in a pod. He's been Kez P. And he's been Ben P. A big old lovely P. Thanks, mate. And we'll see you next time, everybody. Bye. Bye.